The night before I met Julia, something unnerving happened. My family loves animals, and at that time, a French bulldog and two cats prowled around our house like longtime relatives. All three always got along well. The cats often curled up next to each other in our bed at night. But one night around 3 a.m., loud screeching sounds startled me and my wife out of our sleep. Our two normally docile cats were going at it like champion prize fighters, smacking and clawing at each other, intent on inflicting some serious harm. My wife grabbed the female cat and I held on to the male. As we separated them into two different rooms, they continued to growl and bristle. My wife and I got back into bed, mystified, but wrote off the tiff perhaps, as perhaps caused by some bad cat food or one too many sniffs of the catnip. The next morning, Father Jacques rang our doorbell. He was standing at our front door with Julia. She was dressed in all black pants with a dark purple blouse hanging loosely around her slight frame. I guess she was in her late 30s, maybe her early 40s, so approaching middle age. Her short hair was dyed jet black, and her black eyeliner extended to her temples. The style, I later learned, was favored by her fellow cult members. Dressed again, as always, in his clerics, Father Jacques had his hand in his pockets, avoiding eye contact. This is Julia, he said. She has something to confess. With a smirk, Julia gazed at me. How do you like those cats last night? She asked. I stared at her, taken aback, as much by her manner as by her astonishing statement. She regarded me with that smug smile, evidently pleased with herself. What are you amused about? I blurted out. Her smile widened as she leaned against the doorframe. Look, I I finally thought to say, I respect Father Jacques, and he asked me to see you, but let's not have a repeat of last night, understand? My thoughts came fast and furious. What the hell am I saying? Could she really have had anything to do with the cats? Unperturbed, Julia just stood there with the air of an honored guest house, offering no apology. For the rest of the day, I tried to collect my thoughts. What in God's name have I gotten into? This was the first time I had ever doubted or even questioned my involvement with Father Jacques. To get a few things off my chest, I called him, throwing away common courtesy, and asked, What on earth were you thinking bringing her here? He apologized profusely and told me she had arrived earlier than he had expected. He had wanted to make sure I was around so we could meet with her as soon as possible. Jacques was eager to get my input, though I already knew he was convinced that she was possessed. Striking while the iron is hot, he put it, since he didn't seem to trust that her motivation to get help would last long He further astonished me by admitting that a similar thing had occurred in the house of another psychologist who had interviewed Julia. The man's wife subsequently forbade him from having anything to do with, quote, that horrible woman, 
after their crazed cat tore up their living room couch. Now you tell me, I said. I felt annoyed, invaded. Uh, Let me try that again. Now you tell me, I said. I felt annoyed and invaded. Father Jacques went on. She can be provocative, but she does seem to want our help, at least for now. She needs our help, the sooner the better, I think. Her cult doesn't want to let her go and will do anything to stop our continued exorcisms. According to Father Jacques, Julia was a truly exceptional case, even for a serious possession. As a rare Satanist and the high priestess of a satanic, of a satanic cult, he further explained, Julia had been granted certain special abilities. Because her cult had threatened him directly, he said, Father Jacques was convinced her stories were credible. I agreed to see her at my office the next day. During the exorcisms of most full possessions, the evil spirit may on its own, or be forced to, manifest itself and display its remarkable preternatural powers. Even outside the exorcisms the critical and critical to the diagnostic process, victims in their periodic possessed trances frequently display at least some of the classic signs of their state. Evil spirits may speak foreign languages, show supernormal strength, or reveal hidden knowledge, that is, display an awareness of matters that have no natural way that they have no natural way of knowing, akin to what psychics claim to be able to do. Of course, it is the demon who has such powers, not the victim. In a possession, the, dem- the demonstration of these paranormal abilities is precisely what proves that a foreign evil spirit is present and in control, despite occasional protestations by so-called parapsychologists and spiritualists. Human beings on their own have none of these powers. But Father Jacques explained to me that a powerful diab- diabolist like Julia who has explicitly committed herself to Satan, who worships him, may be granted some privileges of this sort, quote, on her own, end quote. That is, the contention that Satan grants his devotees the ability to demonstrate psychic powers not only outside an overt possessed state, but also in their normal conscious state. Under Satan's power, they perform these paranormal feats through no inherent ability of their own, but are able to draw upon demonic sources of power in a strange way. Cases of individuals who have had such level of favors are, in my experience, very rare, even more uncommon than in a more typical possession. But Julia, I was soon to discover, was hardly typical. She openly exhibited these features and delighted in her favors. When Jacques and Julia arrived the following day, I ushered her into my office. Instead of greeting me, she strolled over to my large windowsill, which was filled with small wicker baskets of forsythia, forsythia, and without a word started watering my plants. Again, I was struck by her effrontery, her almost complete disregard for formalities or everyday courtesies. I'm into the life of plants. We love plants and animals. Well... 
Maybe not all animals, I suppose. She chuckled at her little joke. But we're unlike stupid Christians who hate nature. Have you noticed? Through the months of our discussions, Julia always insisted that she desired to be in tune with the natural world. And that was one reason she was a practicing Satanist. She interpreted traditional religion as unnatural and repressed. My philosophy is this, Doc, she told me. Indulgence instead of abstinence. Vital existence instead of spiritual pipe dreams. Vengeance instead of turning the other cheek. It sounded like her cult's formulaic motto of sorts. And she even wrote it out for me once. She liked calling me Doc, which I took as a good sign. She seemed to trust doctors more than priests. Having heard how she talked to priests, I expected her to treat me the same way. But I think she knew I would call her out on any discourtesy. And, as it turned out, she gave more respect and heed to my views as a physician than to the admonishments of priests, however obviously well-intentioned, on their part. She wanted my perspective on, as she called it, this possession business. I know I'm possessed, she said. I space out and then don't recall what happens. They tell me a voice comes out of me. I don't know. I don't remember anything. It's a demon, I'm sure. It's not Satan. He doesn't bother himself with small things like that. But it comes from him. Everything is under his control. I have long followed the master and done everything he wants for years. I was struck by the calm and rational way Julia talked about her condition. It wasn't what I had expected. She stood in front of my office window, staring at the neighboring buildings and surrounding wooded area. I had chosen this office specifically for this view, and I regularly took in the scene in much the same way Julia seemed to be enjoying it. If I hadn't known what she was enduring within her spirit, I easily could have mistaken her for one of my usual patients. She struck me as intelligent and in firm control of her emotions. She did not seem to me the unbalanced or limited person I had been suspecting. I decided to dig a little deeper, hoping she would reveal to me some crucial detail about her story that would allow me to gain a better understanding of her situation and her mental state. Why do you think you become possessed? I asked. She claimed not to have a clue, which I found odd. Well, Satan is certainly in charge, so he must have his reasons. But I don't understand why. And, no, I don't like it. It's always unwise to oppose the devil, but I decided to seek help. The cult would have... The cult would hate that, too. So I told them I would infiltrate the church and get any priest I met in trouble. I assume they believe me, but I'm leery and afraid they'll turn on me. But I just sense I had to get rid of this possession. I heard only priests or ministers can help me. Can psychiatrists? I don't think so. I'm not crazy. That I know. I was impressed by her frankness, including about the priests. She finally sat down in front of my desk easing into her conversation. I decided to let her talk, which she seemed eager to do. I figured out quickly that she liked the fact that I just listened. 
In that, she didn't prove immune to something I've observed in my years as a psychiatrist. If you say little, people often tell you everything. Plus, she knew that I was taking her seriously, not charging her a fee, and not automatically assuming she was mentally disturbed or pushing for hospitalization. She mentioned that Father Jacques had taken her to a couple of psychologists first. Jacques had told her that in their view, no psychological explanation came close to explaining her strange condition. As believers, both agreed she was possessed. She went on to say that Jacques wanted the opinion of a physician, however. She took some glee in telling me that the original shrinks were a little scared of her. Then he put me on the phone with a Jesuit priest he knew, and he seems to know a lot of people, big shots. These priests... This priest was also a psychiatrist. I couldn't stand the guy. He was a real smartass. He said he couldn't tell me his full opinion over the phone, but he went out of his way to tell me he thought my thinking was off. Can you believe the nerve of the guy? Here he was giving me some dim-witted opinion even though he never met me and didn't know all the facts. Him and his stupid heavy red curtains. How did he know he had heavy red curtains, I asked. You told me you spoke to him over the phone. Julia laughed and lit up, visibly excited. With a glimmer in her eyes, she explained that she had some powers. One of them, she claimed, was what students of the paranormal call remote viewing. I can also wreak havoc whenever I want. I was learning fast here. My characteristic incredulity faded for the moment, by the, mo- by the minute, with every new piece of information Julia presented me. But I don't want to get into that now, she said. You'll see soon enough. She promised to tell me the truth, but she wasn't ready to tell me everything about her devotion to Satan or anything about the cult or its leader and and participants. It might be better for you not to know anyway if you get my drift, Doc. In my previous conversations with Father Jacques, He had assured me that he was positive Julia was involved with a committed group of avowed devil worshippers. I also knew she claimed to be a kind of satanic witch. A claim that still seemed fantastic to me despite her continued candor. Still, I was starting to believe her story, or rather I wasn't ruling out its veracity on the basis of the conversation. At least she didn't give me the impression that she was deluded or simply trying to cause a stir with sensational stories. She told me she was not some pathetic loony bird, as the Jesuit had implied. He told Father Jacques, I should probably be observed in a hospital. For the first time, Julia got annoyed. For the first time, Julia got annoyed. I have never had any need for psychiatric help in my life. Despite her growing anger, she said all this with such conviction that I again was surprised by the coherence of her vehement reasoning.
You won't do that, will you? Put me in the hospital against my will? Father said you're more open-minded than most shrinks and have some experience with people like me. I told her that I wasn't in the habit of putting people in the hospital unless they're in unless they are either a danger to themselves or to others, Julia visibly relaxed. I think I trust you. You seem an honest guy, I can tell. I trust Father Jacques, too. He's actually very sweet. He's sort of a wimp, but good-hearted. I just hope he knows what he's doing. I'm not a big fan of priests. Some seem dense to me. Others are worse, if you get my drift. I'd heard enough and decided not to push further. I wanted to make sure that Father Jacques had told her that I wasn't serving as her physician, that I was an unpaid consultant to him, so there was no real confidentiality. I asked whether that was an acceptable arrangement to her, and she readily agreed. Hmm. I felt compelled to to add that her talking to me was voluntary and that I wasn't going to do traditional therapy or push any medication. Rather, I was going to explore her beliefs and the ambivalence she brought to seeking exorcisms. I told her she could visit with me from time to time or not, as she chose, and as Father Jacques suggested, though only as long as she didn't in any way try to mess with me or my family. Right. Well, let's see what he tells us to do. He left. Yeah, I thought I thought he pulled no. over there. All three trucks pulled out. Mm. 